Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. And uh, the topic of unselfishness, unselfishness. Now, let me just say this, that I know that we can never pray enough. I know that we can never give enough. uh, But there are certain things that we can do uh, that we can become a little bit better uh, in the kingdom. The author of this particular book is Haggai. Haggai. And uh, his name means my feast. Uh, and so uh, he, he might have been born on a day that there was a festival. Uh, and so his parents would have named him uh, that particular name. And uh, he was a, a prophet that spoke after the second exile of the Israelites. So the first one happened in 722 B.C., uh, The northern kingdom went into captivity uh, to the Assyrians, and now uh, the southern kingdom goes into captivity under the Babylonians. And so God has taken them out of captivity and wants them to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild their walls and rebuild the temple. Now, folk, we need to rewind two and a half thousand years and realize that uh, when it comes to the presence of God, uh, they felt that he dwelt in the temple. You remember, he dwelt among them, uh, sometimes by cloud in the day and by fire at night to reassure them that he was with them. Other times in the tabernacle and then in the temple. And now... God wants them to rebuild the temple so he can dwell with them. And he wants faithfulness from them. And so that's the theme of this book of Haggai, faithfulness. As they come back to rebuild the temple, they discover that uh, there was, the temple was in this heap of rubble, Uh, It was a bit of a disaster. Uh, There were weeds that had overgrown everywhere. Um, There was a lot of pride among the people. There was drought in the land. Uh, The land was uh, not in a good economic position. It was economic depression. Um, But despite the odds, the people set their hearts to come and rebuild the temple. And so they say, we're going to do it. And so they lay the foundation for the temple. And so that excitement was all good. But unfortunately, it doesn't take them long to become complacent and to begin to do their own thing. And then 16 years after they return to Jerusalem, this word comes to uh, them. God speaks through Haggai, the prophet, and he gives them these words uh, to encourage them to rebuild the walls, to be faithful once again. 
And I think that's a message for all of us today. Uh, as a church, uh, as individuals, there, there is always this uh, encouragement to go back to putting God first. As you sit here this morning, I don't know out of 10 if you want to, if it's at all possible to measure your relationship before God. Maybe you are 8 out of 10, and even 9 out of 10. Maybe you are 3 out of 10. Whatever it might be, your relationship with God. You say to me, Christophides, it's actually the last week in November. I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I've had enough. I just want to go on leave, um, enjoy Christmas, and uh, I'm over it. But you know, in the kingdom of God, we don't have that kind of attitude, despite how tired we are. So God wants to, to perhaps give them a message, uh, where do their priorities lie? Where do our priorities lie? Are they with God and in line with God, or is it just another thing that we're going through uh, year after year? E.M. Gray, uh, in his essay titled The Common Denominator of Success, um, writes, and he says some people uh, think that they have accomplished great things, uh, perhaps with their uh, good luck. Uh, Others uh, discover, well, it's not actually hard work that's uh, allowed me to get to the top, um, or perhaps uh, good relationships with my colleagues. But uh, he discovers that the habit of putting first things first, and I quote, he says, the successful person has the habit of doing the things failures don't like to do. They don't like doing them either necessarily, but their disliking is subordinated to the strength of their purpose. And so there are certain things we don't like doing, and they are not high on our priority list, and so we just forget about them. And one of those things could be, well, you know what, I'm tired, uh, and so church is not really priority. Commitment to God uh, is not really priority. Faithfulness to God is not really priority. We know, and uh, I hope I don't offend anybody, but that's okay, Um, when... COVID hit, we went on to watching the service online. And you'll see I'm avoiding looking at the camera. And we started getting comfortable with doing church online. But folk, when does that come to an end? Or have we kept on this kind of COVID mentality and we'd rather have coffee in our lounge at home and just do church via distance, if you like, because we can easily allow that to penetrate. And then fellowship, genuine fellowship and face-to-face communication goes out the window. And so the passage this morning is Haggai chapter 1, verses 2 to 9. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. So remember, they'd come out of captivity uh, after 70 years under the Babylonians. They come, they see everything in disaster, they put the foundation down, and then 16 years later, this word comes to them. 
Is it a time for yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build your house, or build my house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Wow. Haggai's message is blunt, he's not holding back, and his words are certainly not wasted. So I want to share with you a couple of practical steps about putting first things first. Number one, stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. In Haggai chapter 1 verse 2, he says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. The question is often, when is the right time? When is the right time? They had priorities to do everything else but to rebuild the temple where God dwells so they can have this intimate relationship with him had not yet come. They make excuses. They know that that's a priority. They know that that is what is the right thing to do, but their priorities lie somewhere else. Basically what he's saying to them, you know what? You're okay with building your own houses. You're okay with doing your own things. But when it comes to the things of God, you're allowing God to be second place. You're allowing God to uh, take the back seat, if you like. And I'm reminded of that simple three-letter sentence, delay is decay. Delay is decay. And so that's exactly what Haggai is saying to them. Listen, God says that you've not made me a priority. You're letting other things become a priority. 16 years foundation is laid, and they're encouraging one another to just carry on with their own things. When will you build it? When will you build the house of the Lord? One man wrote, I never knew a man who was good at making excuses who was good at anything else. You know, we're able to justify certain things why we should not do them. And we convince ourselves that that's okay. Stop making excuses is what God is saying to them. Because it's easy to make excuses if we don't want to obey God. We will always rationalize it and justify it why we should or should not do something. And so here God is saying, listen, take responsibility and stop making excuses. Put your hand to the plow and actually start building the temple because there are good consequences with me dwelling among you. Secondly, stop being selfish. 
Stop being selfish. In, in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 1, uh, he, he's, he wants to say to them, listen, you have the selfish mindset, but snap out of it, please. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now, folk, paneled houses uh, means that uh, the, the roof had been put on. In other words, it was just about finished. The roof tiles had been put on, uh, it, you're just about to move in. So that is priority for them. But the things of God, to rebuild the temple so God can dwell among them, is not a priority. And so he's saying, listen, stop being selfish. Now, folks, it's clear that uh, you know, we are allowed to have nice houses. We are, to, uh, uh, we are allowed... Uh, to have possessions. But he's saying, be careful that these possessions don't take you over and you put God second because of your selfish desires. Again, nothing wrong with having money. Be careful that money doesn't have you because that can easily lead us astray. Not only our money, but our time, our talents, how we conduct ourselves, there's certain things that we might leave undone in the things of the kingdom of God. But for our own personal reasons, we're happy to do our own bit. These misplaced priorities is what he's talking about here. And folk, um, without insulting anybody, we all know Jeremiah 17.9. Well, if you don't, let me remind you that the heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can fathom it? So our default is to be selfish. You don't need to do much to be selfish. By nature, we are selfish. Uh, when Michael was much younger, we'd go uh, to the beach and we'd plant our umbrella and I'll say to him, son, let's walk straight into the ocean. And every now and then, Sonny, you need to look up and see where the umbrella is because you will have drifted because of the current. What do you need to do to drift because of the current? Nothing. The current naturally allows you to drift to one side or the other side. And so, son, look up. Look where the umbrella is. You'll see this fat walrus called your dad under that umbrella. Look up. You need to line yourself up with that umbrella, my boy, because you know what? If you don't before you know it, you will have drifted to one side or the other side naturally. And that's a spiritual lesson. Because all we need to do to move away from God is nothing. By nature, we will do our own thing. And if you don't know that, please don't be in denial. That is the truth. And so he's saying, come back to the things of God. Come back to the things of God. Thirdly, don't miss out on God's blessings. Yes, they'd experienced hardships. But what he's saying is you've often experienced hardships because you've drifted a little bit from the pathway. If that's the right way, you've gone a little bit off the pathway and you may or may not know it, but you're carrying on in that trajectory which is far from God. And he says that in verses 5 and 6. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. 
You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your full. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. You've sown plenty of seed, but no harvest. What's going on? And you know what? You're not even asking the question, what is the problem? What is the problem? And that's extremely dangerous because before you know it, there'll be disaster. And you've not even asked the question. They seem to be going in circles. They're doing their own thing. Because of their selfishness, they're not even prepared to ask, is there anything wrong? They're not even prepared to ask, why are we missing out on God's blessing? Because what's taking place in your heart, believe it or not, affects all the other things as well. It affects everything that comes around that as well. And so Jesus reminded them of this in Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Because if your heart is in the right place, all these things follow after that. That word seek, beautiful Greek word, ziteo, seek in order to find. Look why things are not going the way they're supposed to be going. Seek what the problem is. Because perhaps you're not looking in the right direction. What's going on? Ask that question. Because if you're in denial, it could probably consume you in no time and you'll be in trouble. And so he's reminding them. He's reminding them, be careful. Because blessings come from obedience when you put your priorities in the right direction. You say to me, well, there are so many non-believers in God that are so blessed. Yes, indeed there are. I have many of friends, I have many family that are so blessed and they don't even believe in God. They believe in themselves. But friends, for those of us, and so for them, serving God is not a priority, but for us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, serving Him is priority. And all these other things get put into place That's where peace and rest comes from. It's a peace that passes understanding. And because we serve him in his kingdom, that should be priority. I remember when Michael was younger, uh, we had these books, Where's Wally? Remember those books? Where's Wally? And only when you look with intent to find Wally will you find him. But if you kind of do this, Where's Wally? You'll never find him. When Michael used to go to sleep, boy, did I grab his book, Where's Wally? It would frustrate me until I found Wally. Well, you know what? In the kingdom of God, if we don't seek in order to find, we're going to miss it. And we miss out on so many blessings that come from God. He is a loving father that wants to bless us. Priorities in place. Fourthly, take time to evaluate. You see, they didn't even realize that they caused their own destruction and calamity. They caused their own problems. In verses 5 and verse 7, he says that twice. He instructs the people, consider your ways. That word consider, suun, in the, in, the, um, in the Hebrew, put, bring your priorities 
Call up your priorities and put them in place so you can change. Where is your heart, he's saying to them. Where is your heart? Where is your understanding? Is it in line with the things of God? Because there are people who will not understand the things of God because they don't know God and they don't long to serve him. But you and I who know him and hopefully long to serve him, do we take time to evaluate what is the best, what is right, what is wrong? Consider your ways, he says. And that word ways um, is, is a powerful, powerful word because consider your journey. Consider your customs, your traditions, and consider your actions. Are they in the right place? Take time to do that. You know, to evaluate is not a bad thing. It's a scary thing, (laughs) but it's not a bad thing. School teachers give tests. Employers give job reviews to sit and evaluate how you can become better. Because if we don't, we could um, land up in trouble. That great philosopher Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. And sadly, folk, that's true about my late dad. Dad, just take time out to evaluate whether drinking two bottles of whiskey is right. Sorry, two bottles of whiskey a day is right. Oh, not a problem. What is a problem? Well, the doctor said, you know what, you carry on like this and you won't be living long. So what is a problem? Dad, take time out and evaluate your life. Bring another bottle of whiskey. It's dangerous because if we don't take time to evaluate, that problem will eventually kill us. You see, I think what God is saying here is evaluate what you're doing right because I'm moving and I long for you to join me in what I'm doing. Henry Blackaby in his book, Experiencing God, talks about that. God is moving. Open your spiritual eyes, put on your spiritual radar, and see what God is doing, and join him in what he is doing. Because if you don't, you could miss out on all the amazing blessings that he has for you and for me. So stop making excuses. Stop being selfish. Be careful that you're going to miss out on God's amazing blessings. And also take time to evaluate what's going on in your life. So how do we know whether we are going in the right direction? How do we know? Well, three indicators. Number one, we're effective in the right things. We are effective in the right things. And what I mean by that, well, chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. Take time to talk, but also take time to act. How many more meetings are you going to have before you take action is what God is saying. Yes, it's good to take time to consider, but it's also important to take time to do certain things. Well, 1st of January is coming up, and hopefully I'll be able to have more effective quiet times. Uh, 1st of January is the time where, uh, you know what, I'll start reading my Bible. Delay is decay. When, you know, we start thinking about things and don't put them into practice, we are actually exacerbating the problem. 
don't know what the word exacerbating means, but it sounds good. I think it's make it bigger. <laughs> As you can see, I'm exacerbating. Listen, how are you using your time, the gifts, the grace that God has given you? How are you using those in the kingdom of God? For the Jews that were living in Jerusalem, it meant, listen, go into the hills. Understand that kind of those days, that's how they put the roof on. Chop down the trees and start putting the temple in place because I long to dwell with you. Enough talking. Time to take action. Secondly, God is glorified. God is glorified. Why should the temple be built? Because God longs for them to come and praise his name, to glorify his name. That word glorify means to make his name famous. It also means to allow his presence to penetrate our hearts and minds because we're putting him first, and as we put him first, he receives all the glory because our priorities are put in place, the right priorities. And so he's saying, listen, when you begin to build a temple and the understanding is because I will dwell with you, so my name will be glorified. But put your priorities in place because when your heart and your priorities are in the right place, then my name will be glorified in uh, our, our lives, in church, in our vocations, in our families, in the way we conduct ourselves in sport and recreation. Make sure that the indicator of God being glorified is put in place. Why? Because God is in control. And as we put those priorities in place, so he is glorified. And thirdly and finally, we see that God is blessing us. And what do we mean by that? You see, when God, when those people obeyed God, God sent a word in chapter 1, verse 3, I am with you. I am with you. And folks, that's amazing. What else do we want? For our family, for our friends, that God dwell with them. And those words I am with you, that word I, my very personhood of who I am is with, I'm near you, I'm among you, I am for you, not against you, I am before you, I am by your side. Let me say that again. In chapter 1 verse 13, when God is blessing us. He says, that is because I am with you. Folks, I think the saddest place to be is insecure whether God is with us. When we go through trials and tribulations, what have I done to deserve this? Why am I going through this hard time? No, you know that God is going before you, he's by your side, and he's preparing the way for you. And at the end, we'll come out and say, God was with us. To God be the fame, the glory, the honor in my life. Why? Because of what he has done. If God is distant from your life, perhaps the priorities are not in the right order. Perhaps there's chaos. 
In the beginning I said, what would you rate yourself out of 10 with reference to your spiritual uh, heat, if you like, your spiritual relationship with God? And only you know what it is. Only you know. Can we get better? Obviously. But what is that relationship like? There's a bit of chaos. Perhaps our, our, our priorities are not in order. And so God wants to help us, to guide us, to lead us. Let me end off by telling you a story. Perhaps that last slide might be able to help us to understand it. Pastor asked an old farmer decked out in his overalls to say grace for the morning breakfast. Lord, I hate buttermilk, the farmer began. The visiting pastor opened one eye to glance at the farmer and wonder where this was going. The farmer loudly proclaimed, Lord, I hate lard, fat. Now the pastor was growing, <laughs> growing concerned. Without missing a beat, the farmer continued, and Lord, you know I don't like raw white flour either. The pastor once again opened an eye to glance around the room and saw that he wasn't the only one to feel uncomfortable. Then the farmer added, but Lord, when you mix them all together and bake them, I do love warm, fresh biscuits. So Lord, when things come up and we don't like it, when life gets hard, when we don't understand what's going on, what's going on around us, help us to relax and wait until you're done mixing. You're probably even better than biscuits. Amen. As you sit here this morning, perhaps there's a little bit of chaos going on in your life. If there isn't, we can pray for something. No. If there isn't, praise God. You know that it's a matter of time before chaos happens. If things are all calm, praise God. If things are chaotic and you're frustrated, then maybe, maybe our priorities are not in order. Now, I'm not saying like putting a coin in a vending machine and blessings will come out. No. But maybe we need to start focusing our priorities and look back at God. And as we put him first, so things may start lining up, even in our understanding on what he's doing. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Lord, we know that it's not by might nor by power, but only by your Holy Spirit that we can uh, begin to put things in place, things that perhaps we've allowed to be misplaced. Lord, our heart's desire is to serve you. Lord, perhaps we've allowed that current in the ocean to allow us to drift from the center of who you are. Won't you come, Lord, and fill us afresh? May we put our priorities in place so your name is glorified. Help us to do this, Lord. We cannot do it on our own. We need your help. Come and penetrate 
our hearts and minds, Lord. And, and Lord, guide us, we pray. Help us and help us to do it now, Lord, we pray. For your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.